0: In every one of us in our life, we've had at least one person, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a boss, a friend, a lover, a spouse, who no matter how much we've done in the past or what we've done, will still say to us, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? As though all of that other stuff doesn't count and isn't worth remembering, which is really disheartening when they do that. But you know what? If we're not careful... We can be that person to God. When life is good, like the t-shirt and the bumper stickers say, we're good with God, but let some manure happen. We get sick or hurt or suffer a loss or have a disappointment or a setback, and it's easy to think, whoa, God, what did I do to deserve that? Or why did you do that to me? And if we're not bold enough to accuse God, at least to say, well, why me? In other words, yeah, God, you did all that stuff in the past, but what have you done for me lately? God never promised that life would be easy. He does promise to be with us always, even to the end of the age, which means when manure happens, and it happens to everyone, He's right there with us in the middle of the steamy pile. And whether or not He gets us out of it, He always gets us through it. Now, that's not our ideal outcome. We want Him to get us through life squeaky clean, or at least with as few splatters as possible when the stuff hits the fan, but being with us always is a better offer than anybody else is going to give us. Oh yeah, we may have a parent, a sibling, a friend, or a spouse who promises to stick with us for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health until we are parted by death. But let the manure get too deep for too long and all but the best companions fade away, even if it's only because we are parted by death. But Jesus says, I will be with you always even to the end of the age, and He is, He is for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until we are joined with Him in death. And the thing to do when life gets worse or poorer or in sickness is to remind ourselves of how good God was to us when life was better and richer and in health, because if we don't hang on to what God has done for us in the past, We become that person saying, okay, God, what have you done for me lately? Because no matter how we feel, how bad we feel at our lowest, God has not abandoned us. And He's done enough in the past to earn our trust and gratitude, even if He never does anything for us ever again. You say, oh, yeah, well, what's He done? The psalm today gives us quite a list and some good advice for what to do when life starts to stink. It's in your bulletin on the sermon notes page. So pull it out and let's follow along. Great are the deeds of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. God has done all kinds of stuff that we don't even notice. But if we'll stop and study our life, we'll see God and we'll hear God and delight in the discovery His work is full of majesty and splendor, and His righteousness endures forever. Now, some of what God does is full of majesty and splendor, like the vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, and the planets in their courses. Other things God does are so frequent and so ubiquitous and so everyday that it's easy to forget that He does them. Things like air, water, family, freedom, clothing, Shelter? You see the psalm, and then the psalm continues, He makes His marvelous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. If anyone in your life has ever shown you any compassion or helped you when you needed it, it was God who prompted them to do that, and it was God working through them to help you. He gives food to those who fear Him. He's ever mindful of His covenant. Every morsel of nourishment we've ever received from that first drop of milk from our mother to whatever we had for breakfast this morning was from God. And from the looks of most of us, God remembers His covenant to us and He feeds us pretty well. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the lands of the nations. We live in a land of a nation with safety, security, opportunities, and prosperity that is unequaled anywhere else on earth. And that's not luck, that's God, that's God at work. The works of His hands are faithfulness and justice, all His commandments are sure. Now, sadly, there is not always liberty and justice for all in our nation, but there is for most folks, most of the time. And we've been working since 1776 to bring to fruition what we say in the Declaration of Independence, that all men and women are indeed created equal, and we are equal. Not because Thomas Jefferson or the United States government say so, but because we're created that way. God did that. Holy and awesome is His name. And God is not going to stop working on earth until those words are true for everyone, everywhere. No matter how deep the manure gets, great are the deeds of the Lord. And you know why God has, has done all of that, is doing all of this, and will continue to do that? Because He loves us. Because He loves us. And one of the ways that He shows and tells us He loves us is by what He does for us. Now, in this season of Epiphany, and the Sunday sermons, we're learning about the five love languages, the idea that everyone tends to show love and feel love in one or two of five different ways. And those ways are words of affirmation, acts of service, giving and receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And that list and lots of other resources about the five love languages are in your bulletin. And each Sunday, we're looking at one of those five languages to see how God loves us in that language, how we can love God in that language, and how we can learn to love people better by learning to speak the love language, uh, learning to speak their love language, even if it's not one of our own primary languages. And the love language for today is acts of service. An act of service is noticing a need and then doing something about it noticing a need, and then doing something about it. As I hope we picked up from Psalm 111, God has been shouting, I love you to humanity ever since the beginning of creation through continual acts of service. God has got this love language down. So how can we reciprocate and love Him back? Well, you say, God has no needs. What can I do for Him that He can't do better for Himself? And that's actually true. But when we do acts of service for God, we help Him feel loved. Now, you may never have thought about that, that God has feelings, but God does have feelings. And when we do acts of service, we help Him feel loved. We bless God, please God, make Him happy, and give Him jolts of joy. Now, isn't that what we like to do for folks that we love? (laughs) One of the many things this parish family does for each of us is give us a whole range of ways to do things for God, to offer Him acts of service, from the acolytes who help us and lead us in worship, to the altar guild who take care of all of God's holy hardware and do His laundry, to the lay weeders who keep the yard looking pretty, to the vestry who look after all of God's stuff, to the nursery workers who rock God's babies, to our musicians who sing and play for Him, if, and if you don't want to do any of those acts of service, you can help move chairs and tables or pick up the pewage at the end of the service or stop and bend over and pick up some litter off the campus or any other need that you notice in this parish family. And acts of service to God aren't limited to this campus. The earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. So, anytime we do anything to help creation be healthier… We're loving the Creator. And anytime we serve one of His creatures, especially one of those two-legged ones that are made in His image, we're serving Him. What acts of service can we offer our neighbors? And what acts of service can we offer to our parents, our spouse, our children, our family, our friends in the, the larger community? If you're not sure what to do, remember what an act of service is, noticing a need and then doing something about it. So what needs do you notice in the lives of those around you, especially those you love most? Well, notice a need and do something about it. Because for at least one-fifth of the people around us, one of their primary love languages is acts of service. And as we serve them, we get to fill their love tank so that they feel loved, appreciated, valued, treasured, cherished. And as they feel loved, They're more able to love others, which includes loving you. When we learn to tell folks that we love them in their love language, they're more likely to love us back in ours. Now, Mother Tracy and I have been pretty clear about love languages are not just between spouses, but love languages are especially for spouses because as we learn to speak our spouse's love language and fill their love tank, they're more likely to help fill ours. And we both win. It just takes one of us to go first. If your spouse's love language is acts of service and yours isn't, you can fill their love tank and you both benefit when you change a light bulb, mow the grass, make a meal, pack their lunch, make up the bed, do the laundry, walk the dog, wash the car, get the kids ready for bed. Now. Many of the wives among us right now are thinking, I already do most of that. (laughs) And in many homes, you're right. And if your husband's love language is acts of service, he's a blessed man. But husbands, if our wives are indeed doing most of that, and our acts of service consists mostly of bringing home a paycheck and keeping the TV and the recliner warm and occasionally yelling at the kids... And then we wonder why my wife's desire at bedtime is differs from mine. Maybe I'm not speaking her love language, so she's not much interested in speaking mine. And if that's true in your marriage, guys, I have a book for you. It's called Sex Begins in the Kitchen by Dr. Kevin Lehman. Now before you think, ew, or hmm, it has nothing to do with the kitchen counter. The point of the book is the difference between men and women and how men can be interested in sex anytime, anywhere, no matter what went on in their day or what's happened or not happened between them and their wives. And women, on the other hand, tend to be more interested in sex only when they feel secure, loved, and cared for, and when they share an emotional connection with their man, and when they're not exhausted from their day's work, plus housework, plus taking care of kids. Dr. Lehman's point is this, guys, if you want her to be interested in you later that evening, start early in the evening in the kitchen by cooking supper or washing the dishes or taking out the trash without being asked or taking care of the kids or doing some act of service that gives her some time to rest and recover from her day and helps her feel loved because as you work on filling her love tank, She's more likely to help fill yours. Well, now back for all of us. From the beginning of creation, God has been shouting to humanity, I love you, through continual acts of service. Let's love Him and each other the same way.